Chapter 4, Jean-Claude. Jean-Claude, a man in his mid-40s, darts down a private airplane runway. His body is drenched with sweat from exhaustion and panic. Approaching a hangar holding three docked airplanes, Jean-Claude is on the verge of collapse. He ditches into one of the hangars to catch his breath. There seems to be no one on the grounds at the moment. No maintenance workers, no pilots, no one. Jean-Claude quickly loads his crossbow when he thinks he hears someone land on top of the hangar. He inadvertently ducks and takes a few steps back. At the mouth of the hangar, Jean-Claude looks in disbelief as Kilroy, a Dominion champion, stands blocking the entrance. Nowhere to run, Jean-Claude. Jean-Claude fires two bolts at Kilroy, who dodges the first one easily. The second catches him in the shoulder, but it doesn't seem to phase him much. He just pulls it out and tosses it to the ground. In nowhere to hide. Kilroy, a large black man with a clean scalp, unsheathes his sword and makes his way toward Jean-Claude. His walk slowly turns into a run. He moves like a linebacker, poised to trample anyone who gets in his path. Jean-Claude slings his crossbow around his neck and climbs a maintenance cart that is positioned against the wall. He reaches for an open window to try to make his escape. His thin, wiry body is almost long enough to reach. With a desperate jump, he is able to grab the ledge, inadvertently knocking over the cart. With all of his strength, he begins to pull himself up as if his life depends on it. Kilroy arrives as Jean-Claude hoists his body up to the window, his legs kicking desperately. Jean-Claude kicks at the pursuing Kilroy. His foot plants into Kilroy's chest, sending him back just enough for Jean-Claude to unsling his crossbow and club Kilroy in the face. With that clumsy move, he almost falls and he almost loses his crossbow. He fumbles to grab the ledge once again. Kilroy recovers and grabs one of Jean-Claude's legs. As he pulls, Jean-Claude begins to slip. You're mine, French boy. Oh, God, I can't use a hand right now. Jean-Claude is holding on with only one hand now, fighting and dangling. With his free hand, he reaches into his cargo vest jacket and pulls out a grenade. He pops the pen and throws it down toward Kilroy. Gosh! Kilroy loses his grip on Jean-Claude as he catches the grenade out of reflex. He quickly drops it to the ground and dive rolls out of the expected explosive wake. With a quick burst of adrenaline, Jean-Claude manages to pull himself up and through the window, falling a good ten feet to the pavement. Coughing up blood, he gets his footing as the grenade explodes, buckling the metal wall. Though shielded, the force knocks Jean-Claude off of his feet. He scampers away, bruised and sprained, but otherwise unharmed. In a highway motel, specifically designed for truckers and vacation travelers, Reason rouses awake in pain. The link that he has with Jean-Claude racks his body so badly that he spits up drops of blood. Ah, it's him. The man from Europe. He's in trouble. Blurry-eyed, he sits up on the floor where he was sleeping and stumbles to his feet. Neither Mariah or Susan seem to be in the room. They were supposed to be standing watch. Susan? Mariah? Reason picks up his titanium weapon and extends it to the full length of the staff. Susan! Mariah! Where are you guys? Where are they? Coughing up more blood, Reason drops to one knee in pain.
About a quarter mile from the motel, Mariah walks cat-like through the lightly wooded area. Stooping down to examine a footprint in the sticky dirt, she realizes that the imprint's size, shape, and impression match the likeness of Susan. It looks like she was there less than 15 minutes ago. Mariah follows the tracks to a highway filling station. Stealthily, she makes her way up to the mini-store. As she rounds the corner toward the entrance, she almost walks upon Susan, who is on the payphone. Her back is toward Mariah. Mariah slips back around the corner, but is close enough to listen to the conversation. Well, if she's there, put her on the phone. I don't think she's in any condition to come to the phone right now. Can you call her back later? Angelina, this is important. Tell her it's Susan. Susan? Candy Susan? Ryan's been looking for you. Hey, Ryan! It's Candy! No, don't tell him I'm on the phone. Let's just keep this call between you and me, okay? Why? When are you coming back? I'm not coming back. I just want to know that Gina is all right. That's all. Could you do me this one favor for once and put her on? Take my word for it. She's doing better than all right. What's that supposed to mean? Ryan's got her up on something. Something sweet. (laughs) Cuban, I think. Speaking of leaving, seems like everybody wants to leave lately. Ryan wasn't too happy with Gina when she told him she wanted to take some time to search for her little boy. I thought he was going to seriously lose it. Ryan's been hanging that child over her head for as long as I can remember. I don't know, but if you ask me, it doesn't look like she could take much more. But right now, she's doing just fine. Yeah, very fine, in fact. He's giving her some of the good stuff. Listen, I gotta go. Angelina, please. This is important. Hey, if you want to talk to her, come over here and talk to her. You know where to find us. Did you say that was Candy? Give me the phone. Candy. Susan hangs up the phone. As she turns to head back to the motel, she is startled to see Mariah standing there, arms folded. We need to talk. Reason wipes the blood from his mouth while holding his breath as if that would ease the pain he feels from his connection with another member of the opposition that he has never met. Knowing that the danger isn't near, he sets down Gavagai and begins to pray. Lord, it's happening again. This guy in Europe, he's in trouble. I pray that you go to his aid. Help him. Protect him. My God, I don't know what is happening to us. Why is this happening? Why did you choose us to stand against the Dominion Empire? We're babies, newborn Christians. We don't know much about the spiritual realm or your ways. How can we accomplish what you have for us? Ever since I've come to know you, I've been on the run for my life. All of us of the opposition have. I don't know how much more I can take. And this unleashing that is supposed to happen... I hope you let us know what it is and what we're supposed to do about it. God, you know my life is yours, but I'm so tired. I'm not sure if I can take much more of this. And I know that if I'm feeling this way, it must be twice as bad for this guy in Europe. The sky is clear and blue from up here. Jean-Claude is happy to be in the air once again. 
Piloting a private jet, he continues to massage his ribs from his recent encounter with Kilroy. Uh, I think I cracked a rib. Lord, you didn't have to remind me what this feels like. But at least in the war, I knew why they wanted to kill me. This guy, Gilroy, really has it out for me and my family. I try to guess why, but when it comes down to it, I don't know for sure. God, I don't care what happens to me. Just please protect my sister and daughter. Please. Mariah doesn't budge. Standing firm, she waits for Susan to explain herself. Why did she sneak off and make this phone call? What is she keeping from Mariah and Reason, her most trusted confidant? None of this makes much sense, and Mariah is determined to get an answer. So, are you going to tell me what this is all about? I really don't think it's any of your business. Susan tries to push by Mariah, but Mariah steps in front of her. (laughs) I do think this is my business. What you do affects more than just you, little lady. That phone call you made could put Reason in danger. And if he's in danger, then I'm in danger. You have to start thinking of more than just yourself, girl. You know, I've sat here and watched you toy with Reason's emotions. You know he cares a great deal about you, don't you? Don't you? Yes, I know. Then why do you keep shutting him out? Some of us have lost all of our loved ones. Reason is the only real friend I've found in years, and I'll be darned if I sit here and let you put his life in danger because you need a quick fix. Is that what you think? Tell me I'm wrong. Well, if you must know, I was trying to get a hold of an old friend who's in trouble. I don't just think of myself. Gina saved my life. Now she's in trouble. Wouldn't you help a friend who saved your life? What kind of trouble is she in? She's trying to get her son back from a real low life. From what I heard on the phone, not only is her life in danger, but her son's as well. Ryan is using her son as leverage to keep her under his thumb. I knew she couldn't stay away from her son forever. If she goes searching for him, Ryan will kill her, and probably her son. And it looks like she has it in her mind to try to make a break to find him. I have to do something. I have to help her. I know what you must be feeling. Believe me, I do. But you have to understand that what we're wrapped up in is much larger than your friend. Whether you like it or not, you play a role in this whole thing. If you veer from what God has in store for you, it could put lives in danger. The handful of us that God has chosen for this task must stick together. That includes you. Do you understand? Listen, I didn't ask for this to happen. I had a life before all of this. It wasn't much of a life, but it was mine. And ever since I've gotten wrapped up in this, I've forgotten who I am. As strange as it may sound, there were some things that I liked about who I was. I can't shut that off like it was a light switch. The bottom line is that I have a friend in danger, and I want to help her. Mariah, Angelina doesn't know Ryan like I do. He'll kill Gina before letting her go. 
And the worst thing about it is that she doesn't know God. If he does kill her, she's going to hell. Reason's prayers are interrupted when the door to his motel room opens. Mariah and Susan enter the room, surprised to see Reason on the floor holding his ribs. Susan! Mariah! Reason! What happened? Susan and Mariah help Reason to the bed. It's the guy from Europe. He's in trouble. I don't think he's dead, but the champion in that area really hit him hard. I've got to contact him before it's too late. I know that if you didn't come to my rescue, Mariah, I would be dead now. I don't want that to happen to him. I've been in pain all morning. I've stopped spitting up blood only about a half hour ago. Where were you two? Reason, there's something I've wanted to talk to you about ever since our last encounter with Manituk and Agravane. Now that I know that Manituk is here, I realize that his presence only puts us in more danger. The concentration of evil is thick. I think I should go back east and draw him away. What do you mean? We need to stick together. Only for a little while. It'll give you time to find that guy in Europe or whatever you plan to do. Mariah shoots a glance at Susan. In any case, I think we should try to contact all the others like us and meet in one place at one time. I think our best course of action is to gather, share information, and make a plan for survival. One that'll keep us alive until God reveals to us what he wants us to do. If you can get a hold of that guy in Europe, that'll be a start. He may have some information that we don't. I don't like it. Separation will only make us weaker. We fought off Manitouk and Agravane before. We can do it again. Look at you. If they found us now, would you be able to stand? Yeah, I could. Yeah, maybe you could. Listen, you get some rest. When you're better, we'll talk more. Susan sits in the motel living room, looking outside the window. She can barely hear Reason snoring in the adjacent room, conked out from pain medication. As she watches the traffic in the distance, her eyes glaze as she holds back tears when remembering when she and Reason first met and how he led her to Christ. Hey, are you all right? I'm not going to hurt you. God, I'm sorry for the person that I've been all these years. I've never done anything right in my life. I ran away when I was only 13. I've been living a life as a prostitute ever since then. I've never known anything else. But now you've given me hope for something new. I give my life to you, God. Do with it what you will. I believe that you died for my sins, and I believe that I'm going to heaven because you promised it in the Bible. I don't want to be like I used to be. I want to be a new person. I know it won't be easy, but I'm asking that you change me. Thank you, God, for allowing me to go to heaven. Help me to understand everything about you, and every day to remember this prayer. Amen. As she blinks, a tear runs down her cheek. Thank you, Reason. I'll never forget what you've done for me. Susan dries her face with her sleeve when she hears Mariah enter the room. Mariah, 
You look like you're going somewhere. I am. Reason won't understand. But I have to leave. It's best. Will you be coming back? When the time is right. I need you to tell him that I'll contact him in six months with a meeting location. We need to find the others like us before the Dominion get to them. We don't have much time. When I leave, Manituk will leave with me. I'll make sure of that. Reason has enough things to think about without him on the loose. What if we need to get a hold of you? Here's the number of my cousin. We're not really blood-related, but we were close once. She'll know how to get a hold of me. I'll do my best to find the others as well. You take care of him now. You hear? Susan embraces Mariah, knowing that this could be the last time she sees her alive. You take care of yourself. Remember what I told you. This whole thing is bigger than you or me. We have to do what God wants us to do. So don't do anything crazy, okay? Susan looks toward the room where Reason sleeps. I care for him so much. He's been so kind to me. I haven't had that in a long time. I wish you could understand. Gina is like a sister to me. Bye, Mariah. Mariah quickly gathers her things to leave before she has a chance to change her mind, but looks back one last time toward Reason before leaving. I care for him, too. In a nondescript room, somewhere in East Europe, Dominion warlock Harwin speaks with his champion. Kilroy has been unsuccessful in eliminating John claude and Harwin knows that failure reflects poorly on him as well as his champion. I almost had him, Harwin. He was almost defeated, but he still lives. Barely. You will hunt him down, Kilroy, to the ends of the earth if needs be. We will destroy the opposition. Jean-Claude must die. It will be my pleasure. Maybe if I take his daughter like I did his wife, he'll show himself again. No, I don't think that will be necessary. We have operatives that have been tracking her since you killed his wife. His daughter is with his sister. But no matter, I think I know where he is going. But in a few hours, I'll know for sure. Harwin looks at two figures, a witch and a warlock, standing silently in the shadows of the room. We have some work to do. Prepare the medium. Wherever he's going, we'll have operatives waiting for him. Kilroy, I'm going to need you to be mobile. When we find our answer, I'll need you to be ready. Don't worry. I'll be ready. Reason slept all through the day and into the twilight, but he is awake now. He slept longer than he thought, but his body needed it. He notices Susan sitting in a chair nearby watching over him. How are you feeling? Better. Have you been sitting there all day? All day. How's your shoulder? There you go again, thinking about everybody else before you think of yourself. My shoulder hurts a little, only when I raise my arm above my head. 
but it's fine. I know it's got to be hard for you, Susan, but one of these days things will be back to normal. Well, not normal. I don't think anything will be normal again. But what I mean to say is that one of these days, things will be better. We won't have to run anymore. Susan forces a smile. Susan, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Where's Mariah? She left. She didn't have the heart to tell you herself. She thought it would be best for our safety. She did leave us a way to contact her, though, and that she'll go back with us in six months. Between now and then, we should be looking for the others. Then we better get started. I have to find the man in Europe. Reason holds his throbbing shoulder as his feet meet the cold floor. Come on, let's go. I'm not going. What? Reason, I'm sorry. I know you've done everything for me, but I can't go. Not right now. I have to help Gina. Susan, I'm sorry about Gina. I really am. But I need you right now. We have to stick together. God sent you as my helper, didn't he? Well, didn't he? I know. Let's just pray for her. We need to leave it in God's hands. We have other things to attend to, okay? Maybe by morning, God will have given you peace about her. Susan, I need you. Reason brushes her cheek with his thumb, but she doesn't look too convinced. After nine hours of flight, Jean-Claude finds himself in a small, dusty cafe right outside a private landing strip. He sits at a counter, finishing his hamburger. As he ponders how different beef tastes in the States as opposed to Europe, a waitress approaches him. Jean-Claude is the only patron in the place besides the waitress and the cook. So, where are you headed? Oh, just here and there. I... Just like being in the air. Uh, no worries up there. That's a new one. Doesn't flying get expensive? It can, uh, but there's nothing like having hundreds of feet of weightless air between you and the ground. Uh, there's no freedom like it. Almost uh, like a bird. You ever want to be a bird? Free from life? No worries about anything. Just bringing the little worms back to the baby sheiks. Any more at home like you? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so, no. Anything else I can get for you? No, thanks. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, uh, can you grab me one of those uh, sticky bonds for the road? You got it. I'll be right back. Jean-Claude pulls a photo from his pocket. It's his wife and daughter. He glides his finger across the curves of each of their faces, wishing that he can hold them in his arms. I miss you, my little pumpkin. I hope I'll be seeing you again soon. But if Kilroy keeps after me, I might not be able to last much longer. But you give me strength to keep going. Just hang in there, Cher. I know that one day we'll be back together. God willing, we'll be together again. A strange sound causes Jean-Claude to look toward the back room where the waitress went. 
He stuffs the photo back in his pocket and fingers his concealed crossbow. Time to leave. As he begins to stand, the bell above the entry door jingles, indicating that he is no longer alone. He sits back on his stool and pulls his trench coat over his crossbow, glancing over his shoulder to see who came in. Hey, friend. Have you seen the waitress? I'm kind of in a hurry. Oui. She should be back any moment. The man sits next to Jean-Claude. Hey, can I have some service here? Jean-Claude sees activity in a window adjacent to the back room. He notices the waitress and cook being forcibly led away by three men. Before he can stand, the man sitting next to him has the drop on him. A gun is pointed at his head. In one fluid motion, Jean-Claude spins, bumping the man with a gun while pulling out his hidden crossbow. The gun fires, missing Jean-Claude. With the man off balance, Jean-Claude fires his bolt. It sinks into the man's hand, causing him to drop his gun. Several shots ring out as Jean-Claude gets low, scampering toward the door. A couple of the bullets hit the injured man. He falls to the floor, unmoving. One of the windows breaks from a smoke bomb that was tossed inside. Jean-Claude finds a corner, hunches down for protection, and covers his mouth and nose with his coat. Outside, a Dominion operative barks orders. Evacuate! Evacuate! We'll smoke him out. Guns ready! We were supposed to wait for Kilroy. Don't question my orders, Skyrene. I said, guns ready. Jean-Claude carefully pulls out a bolt from a casing. It has an explosive tip. He hears men on the other side of the exit. They seem to be waiting for the right moment to storm in. Jean-Claude fires at the door. An amazing plume of fire and smoke disintegrate the door as two bodies go flying. After Jean-Claude brushes off wood fragments from the backlash, a large gaping hole signals his exit. He runs as fast as he can out of the smoke-filled building. More shots ring out as he dives behind a water tank. As he looks around the tank, he watches about five men converging. They position themselves behind a jeep for cover, trying to determine the best course for the attack. Jean-Claude loads his crossbow with another explosive tip bolt. He fires, hitting the gas tank of the vehicle, destroying anything within 20 feet of it. What's going on? You're supposed to wait for Kilroy! Do a perimeter sweep. He's gotta be here somewhere. Bring him to me, dead or alive. East Wing, report. East Wing, report! No time for pre-flight check. Jean-Claude spins up the jet engines, praying beneath his breath. The tip of the plane appears from a rundown maintenance hangar that seemed to be empty and inoperative about 100 yards from the nearest operative. Hiding his jet seemed to have paid off. As he heads toward the runway, operatives fire, but to no avail. Harwin's not gonna like this. I'd be more worried about Kilroy. Reason wakes up mid-morning almost fully recovered. After more than 20 hours of sleep, he is surprised at how groggy he still is. Sitting up on the couch and wiping the crust from his eyes, he looks over toward the adjacent bedroom. Susan, we should probably get an early start. Susan? As the cobwebs seem to clear, Reason gets up, walks over to the bedroom, and knocks before cracking open the door. No one is in the bed. No sound is coming from the bathroom. Where is Susan? 
he notices a piece of paper on the pillow. A note from her abductors? He frantically picks it up and reads it. It is from Susan. I'm sorry, Reason, but I have to find Gina. I knew you wouldn't understand, but I consider her family. She's the only family I've got, so please understand. I have no choice. I have to help her. I know that you have to find that man in Europe, and I pray that you do. I'm sorry that I'm not with you right by your side, and that I've abandoned my calling. But if anything happens to Gina, and I could have prevented it, I just don't think I could take it. Please, don't come looking for me. As Mariah put it, this whole thing is bigger than you or me. So Reason, you must continue to do what God wants you to do. Thank you, Reason. I'll never forget what you've done for me. I'll always love you for that. I'll miss you. Bye. With a mixture of anger and hurt, Reason lowers the page as a tear trickles down his cheek. Reason kneels at the bed, hands clasped and head bowed. Lord, what am I supposed to do? This can't be the way you wanted it. As much as I want to, I can't help her. I have to find this man. God, why? Why do I have to choose between her and your mission for me? Mariah's gone. Susan's gone. My mom and my sister are gone. What next? What next? Why is your soul downcast? Put your hope in God. Reason lifts his head, surprised that he isn't afraid of hearing an audible voice from heaven. My hope is in you, God, and you alone. I know that you have plans for me, and I know that you are with me. I praise you, Lord. I thank you for being who you are and sending your son to die for my sins. I am nothing without you. You are my shield. You are my protection. You guide my steps. You are my banner. You are my provider. I know that you will never abandon me because you have said it. It is true. It is true. Reason's vision begins to blur. The pain he senses from Jean-Claude's injuries begin to flare up again. He sees Jean-Claude flying in a jet, but he doesn't seem to be experiencing much pain at all. Jean-Claude looks over at the picture of his wife and daughter taped to the dash of the cockpit. Next to the picture, there's a card. The man. The man from Europe. What? What is on that card? The card comes into focus. It is a business card. Jean-Claude's business card. Lafitte and Hazing's flight school? A phone number? Though Jean-Claude feels safest in the air, as of late, he hasn't felt very safe at all. Surprisingly, his bruises from his recent encounter with Kilroy and his latest encounter with the Dominion operatives have numbed. He rubs where the pain should be as he adjusts the volume in his cockpit dash phone. How is she? Is she okay? I know. I know I said I wouldn't call you unless it was an emergency. This is. Kind of. I just wanted you to know that I had to leave the country. Well, I can't tell you where I'm going for your own safety. No, no, I'm all right. But I'm worried that they'll come looking for you. You have to leave now. I'm sorry, Linda, but you have to. 
you are in danger there. You have to stay on the move, remember? Okay. I can't tell you exactly where, but I'll contact you when I can. Can I talk with her? Okay. I understand. Tell her I love her. In a darkened cargo van, an operative looks out his window toward the apartment where Linda is talking with Jean-Claude. A second operative sits at a council with headphones on as he jots down information on a pad of paper. Sophisticated equipment record Jean-Claude's conversation. Tell her that daddy misses her. We've got him. Jean-Claude presses the in-call button. Before he can reflect on what was said, his phone rings. Pumpkin? Uh, hello? Who's this? How did you get this number? Reason sits in his hotel room, wondering if he remembered the number he saw in his vision correctly. Is this Jean-Claude Lafitte? Who's this? Well, it's a little hard to explain, but my name is Reason. I have to meet with you. Listen, wherever you are, I don't like this game you are playing. Wait, wait, don't hang up. You're being chased, aren't you? By some big guy with a sword. You probably don't know why, but he's been after you trying to kill you. You are a new believer in Christ, a new Christian, and you may have even physically felt the pain of someone that you see in your mind, but you've never met them before in your life. Susan steps out of a pickup truck, looking at a slip of paper in her hands. Thanks for the ride. She looks around. There isn't much here. Just a house that she could see at the end of a long driveway. Yep, this is the place. Susan walks up to the door apprehensively, noticing that there are too many cars in the driveway. This used to be a flop house for a few of the girls. As she knocks, she remembers it being a warm, inviting place in the midst of a challenging life but now it feels cold. She begins to wonder if she made the right decision. Taking a few steps backwards, she bumps into a man. As she turns, she sees two of Ryan's hired hands. Well, take a look here. I don't believe it. He was right. She did come back. Stupid, stupid girl. There's someone who wants to talk to you. The door opens. Susan spins around, shocked to see Ryan, grinning from ear to ear. Bring the tramp in. Jean-Claude closes the door to his private jet as he breathes in air from the Windy City. He notices Reason right away, who approaches him. Although they've just met, they recognize each other as if they were old friends. Reason? I presume? Jean-Claude, nice to finally see you in person. You look much better than I would have guessed. Yeah, a few scraps, but I leave. After a hot shower and the cafe, I'm sure I'll feel like a million bucks. <laughs> Come on, we have a lot to talk about. Reason and Jean-Claude sit in a small hole-in-the-wall diner talking over a cup of coffee. After Terrence defected from the Dominion, he told us everything. There are seven of us. 
They call us the opposition. Seven people from different parts of the world with three things in common. We've all just given our lives to Christ. We all have an ability to see or sense the evil or good intentions and nature of a person. And we are all linked by one another. We feel the physical pain of one other person in the opposition. I feel when you are in pain. Mariah feels when I am in pain. And I feel when someone else is in pain. That explains a lot. Uh, There was a time when I felt pain in my leg. Then I saw a beautiful woman uh, fighting with someone in Australia. Uh, She wielded a boomerang. I wield a staff. Mariah, a sword. And I have this uh, crossbow. Why do you think we all use these uh, medieval weapons? Why aren't any of us using uh, submachine guns or hand pistols? I don't know, but it would fit with the idea of how this whole thing is set up, going all the way back to Bible times. In the days of the Bible, they didn't use guns. They used weapons like we have. Swords and arrows, slings and staffs. Maybe it has some connection with that. So far, it seems that our weapons are artifacts from the past. Ancient and powerful. My staff is unlike any other staff I've ever seen. I got it from my Shihan when I was young. It is as hard as steel, but light as wood. It can also extend and retract in a very unusual manner. I found my crossbow during a covert up when I was in the military. We were supposed to gather stolen Japanese artifacts... This was one of them. The bow is uh, strong and amazingly durable, and his aim is deadly accurate. I don't even know what the string is made of. It, it looks like metal, but has the elasticity of a normal bowstring. The range on this weapon is unbelievable, uh, likely twice the distance of a typical crossbow. It'll fire anything, uh, normal arrows, barbed arrows... And I've even fashioned uh, some arrow with uh, explosive tips. Maybe God made sure that we all had a weapon to fight the champions. So far, they all seem to wield swords. Speaking of which, uh, what about Kilroy, the guy who's trying to kill me? We all have our Kilroy to fight. They are the champions of the warlocks. The witches and the warlocks are the heads of the Dominion Empire. Ones who are trying to make this unleashing come to pass. The champion that is after me is named Agravain. Mariah is fighting Manatuk. I suspect that all seven of the opposition have champions to fight. I killed mine once, but he still lives. Well, they must be unnatural, they no? Demonic? I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to defeat mine. Uh, but if I could... Believe me, I would. He killed my wife. My daughter is in hiding. I'm afraid that soon he'll be after her. She's only 12. I've seen Kilroy. He is definitely a force to be reckoned with. He seems more dangerous than the two that I've come up against. I'm glad you're still with us. So, what now? Now we try to gather all of the opposition. All seven of us together, working together, can fight this Dominion Empire. I believe that's what God has in mind. Hopefully, all seven of us can live long enough for the gathering.
we can start in Australia. Uh, we can find the girls that I'm linked to and then whoever she's linked to until we all gather. Mariah is already searching for some of the others. She's planning all of us to meet in six months or so. I think we have a good start, though. Four of the seven have been identified. We'll have to complete the circle soon. But I do have one problem. What problem? There is someone who God has declared as my helper. Her name is Susan. Susan Pitts. She's in trouble right now. I believe that she plays an important role in this entire thing. I have to find her. I believe that her life is in danger. Count Maine. Out in the backwoods, Susan is tied to a chair in a large house Ryan owns. Sorsha, one of Susan's former working girlfriends, is in the room with her. She seems conflicted, almost guilty that she's even there. Sorsha, where's Gina? Is she all right? Sorsha? Don't ask me that. I'm sorry about all of this candy, okay? But I had to tell him. He said he'd kill me. I don't believe that you'd sell me out like this. I thought we were friends. Did you sell out Gina, too? Did you? He said he'd kill me, and you know he's capable. He doesn't just use that as a threat anymore. He'll do it. He has done it. I don't know what's gotten into him. Besides, he's not really after you, anyway. He's after some guy named Reason. Reason? He's gone off on this trip all of a sudden. For the last few weeks, that's all he can think about. This guy must have done something really bad to tick him off. Ryan is on the phone in an adjacent room. He can see Susan from here and glances at her every now and then just to make sure that she stays put. Well, bring them all. We might need them. Oh, I'm sure he'll come for her. And when he does, we'll be ready. Ryan walks into the room where Susan and Sorsha sit. Well, well. Welcome home. Where is she? Where is Gina? Tell you what. If you tell me how to get a hold of Reason, I'll tell you where Gina is. I can't do that. You can and you will. If you don't, I'll cut up Gina real slow, right in front of you. And when I'm done with her, I'll do her son. It's up to you. All I'm looking for is one phone number. What are you going to do with his number? You can't trace him. He uses a cell. Time is running out, and so is my patience. Tell me his number or she dies. I can't do it. Please don't make me do it. One of Ryan's goons enters the room. Well, maybe she won't have to. Look what I found with some of her things. One phone number. It's reasons. Gina's life is now in your hands. Think carefully about how you answer this question. You do exactly what I want you to do, and you'll say exactly what I want you to say. Or Gina and her son will have a very painful death. Reason takes another sip of coffee, thinking aloud to Jean-Claude about the best way to look for Susan. I guess we can start looking for her in the town where I met her. We can talk to some of the working girls there. Maybe they've heard something. Working girls? Yeah, but don't judge her because of her past. She's not into that anymore. No, I wouldn't think so. Well, let's go. Reason puts a few bills on the table and gets up to leave. 
Just then, his phone rings. He takes his cell out of his pocket. The caller ID number is unrecognizable. He knows that only a few people know this number. Reason looks at Jean-Claude, then tentatively answers. Hello? Uh, hi, Reason. Susan, where are you? Are you okay? I, I made a big mistake. I want to come back to you and Marie. I need you to come pick me up. I'm on Old Country Road 7. Reason slowly lowers the phone as he processes the short conversation. You won't believe this. What? That was Susan. She's in trouble. She said that she'd like to get back with me and Marie instead of Mariah. Ryan has her. Thank you, Candy. I wasn't sure if you'd go through with it. Okay, you got what you wanted. Now let me see Gina. (laughs) Gina. (laughs) There is no more Gina. What do you mean? What did you do to her? Ryan reveals a hunting knife. He waves it in front of Susan's face threateningly. (laughs) I won't give you all the details, but I will tell you this. We had to dig two graves. No, there is no more Gina. Just like soon there'll be no more reason. You see, I just finished calling in about three years of favors from my pimp and drug dealing contacts, and I'm going to make sure they return my favor in full. <laughs> no! Gina! Don't feel sorry for her. You know, just as she did, that no one crosses me. I have an enterprise. Do you know how hard it is to run an operation like this if a select few of your best employees don't do what they're told? I had to make an example of her. Your friend bought me a few more years of obedience from the others. But now I have to pay back an old friend. First reason, and then I'll take care of you. Everybody get ready. Ryan stands to leave the room. Sorsha follows him. He motions for one of his men to stay in the room. You, stay here. Watch her. What have I done? Jean-Claude looks at the passing trees as Reason drives his BMW down a road in the middle of nowhere. He hasn't seen another car in the last 15 minutes. His GPS indicates that they're about a half hour out now. So, tell me about this uh, Ryan guy. Uh, What are we up against? Last I saw him, he seemed to be a small-time pimp. He must be pretty sure of himself to lure us out here. I've had to tussle with him a couple of times. Aren't you... Forgetting something. What? He doesn't know about me. Yeah, I thought about that. Any ideas? Oui. I have a couple. You can drop me off about a mile from the location. I'll take up a position a few yards away. Then, we eat him with this. Jean-Claude pulls a duffel bag from the back shelf of the car. He opens it to reveal several charges of C4 explosives. Whoa, you come prepared. I'm glad you're on my side. So, Reese, how much are you attached to this girl? Reason gives him a look of worry mixed with confusion as he continues to drive down the road. Jean-Claude runs through the thicket with his duffel bag of explosives slung over his shoulder. He quickly finds a position about a quarter mile away, gets down, and looks through a pair of binoculars toward Ryan's complex. 
It almost looks like a small village with a few old-style buildings built in close proximity. All basic needs are self-contained. Propane tanks, indwelt septic tanks, water well, and reservoirs to control flooding. Jean-Claude notices a building that he thinks Susan might be held in. Ryan is outside, pointing his men into position. From inside the building of interest, Jean-Claude sees a man peek his head out of the window, then ducks away. Two girls at cement complex? A possible holding room with one guard? And he knows how many others are out there, prepared to take us out at first glance. Oh, gas tanks. Jean-Claude pans his binoculars toward the east, noticing Reason's blue BMW barreling its way toward the main building. Okay, it's showtime. Ryan is in the room with Susan. You better hope he comes alone. One of Ryan's henchmen bursts through the door. Boss, we spotted his car. He's coming in fast. All right, time to teach Romeo a lesson in pain. Shots ring out, pinging every inch of the BMW, but it keeps on moving, gaining speed as it does. With all attention turned toward the diversion, Jean-Claude had little trouble making his way up to one of the propane tanks. He sets the timer on the charge. Jean-Claude watches the BMW plow into the corner of the main building, igniting the fuel tank and setting the building on fire. Spread out. Find him. He's out there somewhere. Reason rounds the corner of one of the buildings. One of Ryan's henchmen has his back to Reason with gun drawn, pointing toward the action in a panic. He doesn't know where to shoot. Just then, Jean-Claude's charge goes off. The man tries to cover his face, but not before he feels the sting of Reason's titanium rod hit against his gun, causing him to lose it. Another man rounds the corner with one of Ryan's girls. Shocked to see Reason, he goes for his gun. Reason is too quick, jabbing the man in the gut, then swinging down on his face, sending him to the ground. Reason swings artfully, seeing the first man in his temple, keeping him down as well. Lady, you don't want to be here. Jean-Claude positions himself next to a rusted-out water tank and loads an arrow. Reason stays low, searching each building, trying to find Susan, while at the same time avoiding any of Ryan's men. Someone is behind him. Reason turns, but not fast enough. The man poised to gut Reason with his hunting knife freezes in mid-stroke, falling to the ground with an arrow in his back. Jean-Claude waves. Ryan slinks out of the building where Susan is hostage. He is carrying a rocket launcher. Yes, a rocket launcher. He looks in the trees to see if he notices movement other than his own men's. It's him. Reason's back is to him. He seems to be talking to someone, but Ryan doesn't know who. Reason, I see you. Flipping open the trigger safety, he lowers his weapon, tracking Reason as he goes into another building to check for Susan. Ryan fires. Reason sees a crack in the rundown shed leading to the outside. He dives for it. <laughs> Bullseye. Give me another rocket. Susan flinches from all of the explosions and gunfire going on outside the building. Nonetheless, she has been busy loosening her bonds and is almost free. The man guarding her watches the action outside of the window. 
he saw Ryan obliterate the shed that Reason was investigating. <laughs> Got him. You can't escape a rocket launcher, can you, Big Shot? When hearing that Reason was caught in the explosion, Susan wrenches her hands through the ropes, rubbing them raw in the process. She stands quietly and walks over to the man that was assigned to guard her. Doubling her fist, she slams down hard on the back of the man's head, but it doesn't send him to the ground. He backhands her, sending her stumbling across the room and crashing to the floor. The man grabs her by the hair and pulls out a gun. Just then, Jean-Claude kicks open the unguarded door. The man swings his gun around to address the intruder, but before he can make a full motion, he drops his gun from a crossbow bolt that has gone clean through his forearm. Jean-Claude bull rushes the stun gun, crashing him into the wall. The man's head awkwardly hits a metal bar on the wall, blinding him unconscious. Come, let's go. Let's go. I'm whispering. Reason rolls on the ground in pain, blood trickling from his ears caused from the blast. His vision is blurry and he can barely hear. He coughs, gasping for air. That was close. That was really close. As he rolls to his knees, he begins to make sense of the blurry images. He thinks he sees Jean-Claude pulling Susan along. Her feet seem to be having a hard time keeping up with her. Jean-Claude aims an arrow at one of Ryan's men who just started up a truck. The man steps out with hands raised. The last propane tank explodes as Reason struggles to his feet and begins running toward the truck. Ryan looks around in disbelief. The damage wrought is great. But at least he can take solace in that he killed Reason. It looks like most of the men who weren't killed or wounded abandoned Ryan's plan out of fear and panic. Looking around, he notices Jean-Claude kicking one of his men to the ground and getting into a truck. Not 30 feet away, Reason is running toward the truck. Jean-Claude begins to pull out of the complex, surveying the situation. Where's Reason? There he is. Reason jumps in the bed of the truck as Jean-Claude drives off. Shots ring out from the few loyal men left, but to no avail. Somebody get after them! Jean-Claude begins to decrease the speed of the truck he is driving now that they are entering more populated areas. He stopped only once so that Reason can sit in the front with him and Susan. Jean-Claude doesn't really know the ramifications of what he just did, rescuing a girl that Reason convinced him that he needed, but in the process, killing at least two of Ryan's men. It feels different than killing Dominion operatives. He tries to suppress the guilt that he feels from taking the lives of two ordinary citizens no matter how bad they were. He hopes that Susan was worth it as he realizes that he used up almost all of his explosives and that reason looks like roadkill. Susan sits quietly, unable to get rid of the I told you so feeling, not to mention the shock of hearing about the death of her best friend and her son at the hands of that madman. She feels empty but a little more focused, realizing how fragile life is and how her choices affect more than just herself. Jean-Claude looks over at Reason, who is cleaning up the dried blood from his ears. Reason, you look worse than I do. Thanks. Is everyone okay? Jean-Claude, you were amazing with that thing. Die, soul in the wrist. Susan, I'm glad to have you back. He killed Gina, you know. 
She's dead, and so is her son. I'm sorry, Susan. You must be the mysterious man from Europe. The name's Jean-Claude. I'm pleased to meet your acquaintance. This guy here thinks an affair lot of you. I can always count on him to come to my rescue. He's been doing that ever since I met him. I'm sorry that you had to go through that back there. I didn't mean to ever put you in danger. And I'm sorry to have left you the way that I did. I know a note is a tacky way to deal with things you don't want to face. I'm just glad you're all right. I don't know what I would do if anything happened to you. Susan, I am truly sorry to hear about Gina. I know you are. Well, we're back on the trail to stopping the unleashing, huh? That's the plan. And I'm happy to say that we've picked up a powerful new friend. So, when is this um, gathering supposed to happen uh, with all of us of the opposition? Mariah said six months. I'd say that gives us some time to relax. Uh, what you say we get ourselves good and lost for a few months and uh, join back up with uh, Mariah, um, put together a game plan with all of the others like us? Sounds like a plan to me. I couldn't have said it better myself. I could use a little vacation. <sighs> Susan, is there something still bothering you? Yeah, there is one thing. Sorsha said that Ryan was looking for you. I've never seen him so determined to get anyone before, and I've been with him for 13 years. You think his attitude may be tied into the big picture of our quest? Unlikely, but I wouldn't say it's too far out. We may never know. We may never know. But I'll tell you one thing. I'll never turn my back on God's plan again. Amen to that.